What happens to us after we die? Do we cease to exist? Or do we live on? This may be the biggest question that mankind has ever asked, as well as what this podcast is about. In this show, we will examine past life memories, speak with professional hypnotherapists, astral projection practitioners, psychics, and much more. All in an attempt to decipher this riddle. So welcome to the puzzle. Welcome to the regression session. Welcome back to the regression session. My name is Ian. This week, we're going to be hearing from Simon Bown, and Simon is the host of the Past Lives podcast. He has a diploma in clinical hypnotherapy with the UK National Council for Hypnotherapy. He's certified in past life regression therapy with the Past Life Awakening Institute. And to top it all off, he's a member of the International Practitioners of Holistic Medicine. He took part in his first past life regression at... 1987 at the College of Psychic Studies in London and that experience had a profound enough impact on him that he went on to start the Past Lives podcast. Um, In this episode we talk about like past life regression, healing, consciousness, aliens and lots of other stuff and so I'm excited for you guys to hear what he has to say. If you want to come onto the podcast to share your experience with past lives or your knowledge in any metaphysical topic, shoot me an email. My email is theregressionsession at gmail.com. I promise you I will respond. Head on over to my Facebook, my Twitter. I post like bios that people send me that are guests. I post additional bonus content sometimes. I post like memes. I link to other creators. I do the show updates there. So head on over. It's the Regression Session podcast on Facebook and at Regression Session on Twitter. And now my conversation with Simon. Hey, Simon. Thanks for coming on to the show. Pleasure to be here. You don't mind just kind of introducing yourself, giving a little bit of context about who you are, what you do, what you got going on, and then we can just start talking. Okay, well, I'm a qualified clinical hypnotherapist. I got a diploma in the UK from the National Council of Hypnotherapy, and I don't do all that uh, hypnotherapy stuff like uh, stopping smoking and losing weight, but all I was what I was really interested in was taking people through past life regressions. And that's because I've had an interest in this for so many decades, which makes me sound really old. I'm not that old, but um, it was uh, a thing where I had such an interest and I listened to so many podcasts about it. I started my own podcast and now I'm up to nearly 190 episodes and it's called the Past Lives Podcast. And I talk to people there. It's it's usually an hour long interview with somebody it might be to do with reincarnation, but I also talk to people who have near-death experiences, and I talk to researchers, mediums, all sorts of people, all to do with the past lives and the afterlife and consciousness. And um, so it's really great to come and talk to another podcaster like you because I'm always the one asking the questions, and now I can relax and I'll be uh, the victim, and you can ask the questions. <laughs> yeah, and, and you've even got episodes of people talking about aliens. And when I first got into this kind of stuff, aliens couldn't have been farther from my mind. And I would have never thought that aliens were even a part of this or related to this in any way, but then you get into it and they're actually a really big part of it, which is really, really weird. Yeah. The, the it's, it used to be a thing, isn't it? Like maybe years or decades ago, you'd have people who are really into UFOs and then people who are interested in the afterlife. And they'd never come together. 
but we've started to see there are connections that are really interesting because if people have, who have near-death experiences have after effects where they can't wear watches because they just don't work and sometimes electrical items don't work and they have amazing synchronicities and psychic flashes and then they find people have been claimed to have been abducted by aliens and i still don't know if that's real or what that really means but they have the same after effects as somebody who's had a near-death experience so there's something of a connection there and also over time i've read so many books and in the alien abduction stuff i've read about aliens referring to humans as containers or vessels it's like the container of the soul and also the aliens of i'm calling them aliens uh, the ets the the visitors whatever you want to call them they talk about themselves and how their bodies might last two or three hundred years and when it's worn out they just move to another body which just sounds like reincarnation and then there's um a guest i had on who was um woken up one night found herself standing next to her bed and there were these four aliens these classic ets the greys standing at the bottom of her bed and it freaked her out and she looked round and she saw she was still in bed her body was there and she realized this was some kind of out of body experience and then as soon as that realization came she was back in her body and she sat up and there were no greys in the room so it was kind of like the greys were in the astral plane if we could call it that and when she went out of body she was also in the astral plane which uh that's how she could see them so it seems like the aliens can move in some kind of uh you know uh, like through what they call the veil into the afterlife so the ets are well aware of what's going on and then we move further down the the rabbit hole there whitley streber who is a guest on my podcast and he wrote that really successful book in the late 80s called Communion about his alien abduction experiences. And he would say that sometimes in his cabin, he would have visitors and who wanted to see the ETs because he'd read the books and they were friends of his. And that they would have visits from deceased relatives. It's like the dead would turn up around the same time the ETs would turn up. And if you talk to Whitley Strieber, he he goes so far <laughs> into all this stuff. It, it, I mean, I might sound crazy right now, but he he goes, he talks about it so matter of factly about how he's written a book recently with his wife, and his wife died a few years ago, but she just comes through, and he can just write out all this stuff she tells him. So it's kind of this weird connection, different connections we can see there with the alien abduction and with um, the afterlife. And there's, there's a, it's like a jigsaw, you know, we can look at reincarnation, uh, children with past life memories and past life regression where people confirm the lives that they see during the past life regression. And then these ET stuff that kind of crosses over with it and this big jigsaw puzzle and you've got all a few of the pieces, but we haven't got anywhere near all of them, but we're starting to get an idea of what the picture is. Yeah, so I like that. I, I didn't go too far off topic there, did I? No, you're totally good. I, I like that a lot. Actually, in my podcast intro, I, I say welcome to the puzzle because I look at this whole thing nowadays as like a giant puzzle, exactly like what you said. So I'm really glad you said that. I've actually talked to a few astral projection practitioners who um who said the same thing like you you can be abducted physically but you can also be abducted by aliens or ets or whatever you want to call them um on an astral level so like you're not even your body doesn't move and skeptics would just be like yeah that's a hallucination but then they have those after effects too which that begs the question where does that actually come from yeah, yeah. And I, I read about a couple of uh, people who've talked about being abducted. And when they were with the ETs, they could just walk around fine. But in their usual life, they've got a limp because they're, they're disabled. Or there was somebody who said they re needed really strong glasses. But when they were with the ETs, they weren't wearing their glasses and their sight was perfect. So that, that kind of suggests that they were out of their body. But 
they didn't quite it wasn't that obvious to them that they'd been abducted in that way except for these clues yeah it's just really really interesting and um kind of moving in a different direction you you mentioned someone who wrote a or who claims to have written a book with their deceased wife and you've had a couple of these people on your show um that say that yeah i've written a book with my deceased so-and-so I think you had a gentleman on one point that had written, said he written, had written a book with his son who had passed away named Jordan or something like that. What's your take on, on that? It's, it's, I find it very interesting because it's, um, I think he did it through automatic writing, which is when you just kind of relax and you just leave your hand over a bit of paper with a pen right. and then it just starts writing. And it's, so much detail and so much information of what he was saying that tallies with lots of other things that I've heard, maybe from people who have had near-death experiences or mediums. I mean, if the guy was uh, hoaxing it, he could have read all the stuff I've read and got all that information. But it's still, I find it fascinating. And one of the goals of my podcast is that I, I present, I get a guest on and I get them to present their information the best way they can. And I allow leave it to the listener to make up their eye their own minds of whether or not to believe what they hear but um it's quite interesting what he's had to say and uh i think he's been on the show twice on my podcast twice and he seems like a very straightforward guy and um yeah doesn't seem like he would just be making up all this stuff right and um as far as like automatic writing goes do you know who joanne dimaggio is no, I don't. So she actually, she studied Edgar Casey's work, uh, like, really, really hardcore, I guess is the best way to put it. She she says that Edgar Casey is her greatest teacher. And she invented something called soul writing, which is similar to automatic writing, but you actually call in what she calls white light protection. And she claims that automatic writing is one of the biggest no-nos you can do for developing your psychic ability or for developing spiritually. She says it's right up there with Ouija boards because she claims that it can open you up for possession. Right. I don't know about that stuff because they call it possession and it sounds kind of religious in a way. And you start thinking of demons and um, that side of stuff. But I'm, I was never, religious all my upbringing all my friends i've ever had in my life no one's ever been religious and so i'm kind of on the outside of religion looking at it from a you know an outsider's perspective and when i hear the word demons and think of how religious it is i straight away I, that turns me off and i think there might be something there that's some kind of entity that could be negative but if you call it a demon then you're putting a label on it that's got a lot of baggage with it. And you might start thinking yeah. of that film, The Exorcist and Priests and um, and also with the Ouija boards. Somebody said to me what it is with them is it's like, it's the same as if you lived in a bad neighborhood and you opened your front door and just started shouting out, hey, everybody come inside. And all the drug addicts and the thieves are coming into your house and you're like, yeah, everybody inside. So... <laughs> I I I uh I don't know about Ouija boards as well. There's suggestions <laughs> that it's about um people unconsciously subconsciously move that thing around the board. But uh, when I was 17 or 18, I was with some friends and we did it and uh, there were three or four of us on the board and then other people and it started spelling out stuff that just didn't make sense. It seemed like random numbers and we were writing it down. And there's somebody there who did not have their hand on the thing. Uh, who, uh, his mother was German and he could read and write German as well as English. He said, no, that's that's German that's coming through. And the, those of us controlling the thing on the board, we couldn't read or write German. But somehow German language was coming through us onto that thing. And that's see, that's really interesting to me, too. Like, where did that come from? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Um, and sorry for jumping around. I just, 
I just kind of go wherever the conversation leads, to be honest with you. And um, what you were talking about as far as like um, entities and demons go, I, I grew up very religious. So I was, have you ever heard of Mormons? Yeah, yeah. I, I grew up Mormon and then I, I left and the whole journey led me to starting my show. And you're absolutely right about as far as like um, the word possession, it does carry a lot of baggage. I have had in my sessions, I have had entities show up in my sessions that if if you were religious, you would you might describe them as demonic, but um it's kind of weird if you call them demons, they get even more aggressive. It's it's weird. I, I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but like if you if you give them that label, then that's what they kind of uh, re- reflect back to you in a way. I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that. So you're saying you you have a client who you're taking through a past life regression, and they tell you that's what they're seeing. Yeah. So so basically, um. I had, I've had a little girl come through one time. Okay. Um, she, she t- literally told me she was a ghost. She, she came through my sister cause she's in the middle of the regression. She goes, Ian. And I said, yeah. And she said, I don't think I'm one of Taylor's past lives. I said, uh, well, okay, well, well, what are you? And she said, I think I'm a ghost. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's kind of weird what are you doing here? And she's like, I was invited here. And I was like, well, I didn't invite you. So what do you mean you were invited here? So that was my first experience. And then I did like a, a spontaneous um, hypnosis for somebody who I just felt really drawn to. And they felt like they kind of needed it because I do this thing called energy protection and shielding. And I was just doing that. Like, it's like a visualization where you take someone into where their um, solar plexus is in their, their chakra center, like in the center of their body. And you help them visualize taking that energy and pushing it around them. And it helps them to feel like really safe and secure and stuff like that. So it's just like a little therapeutic visualization, but she entered into a trance where she had described this uh, massive demon looking dude, picking her up before in a cave by her neck and then started like draining her energy and she felt really drained. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of happened there. And I helped her to remove him from the cave basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? And that's one of those things in hypnosis. You don't know if it's, it's just a subconscious metaphor or a symbol of something. Yeah. It, and who's to say, you know, and I always say this, I say this pretty much every episode of my show, regardless of whether or not it's real, it's still a real experience. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I took somebody uh, to a past life and then they said, I'm, I'm in a cave and I'm really scared and they're coming to get me. And I said, like, who's coming to get you? And she said, well, they're, they're kind of human sized, but they're like rats. And they're going to oh. catch me. And then she was kind of saying, but I, I don't think I'm in a human body. I don't think I'm a human. And then another time I took somebody and they said, I'm in a desert and it's kind of, it's a rocky desert and it's very flat. And then she was silent for a while. And, and I said, they were, so what's happening? She says, I've got too many knees. Both of my legs, is, there's two knees in each leg. It's like, it's, I'm not human. So that there are a couple of weird things that you remind me of there, and particularly with the rats. But she said they weren't actually rats, like human-sized rats. That's just something they reminded her of. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's that's really weird. So there, there's all these weird things that happen, and that's and that's why I've moved away from calling it past life regression and just call it spiritual hypnosis nowadays, because I actually one one really interesting thing, and I and I. I think you'll find this really interesting. Um, there's a, it's a huge, long story. I, I talked to um, 
Dr. Koloski about this on, on like a really basic level, but, and I, and I actually have the recording. I'm going to release the recording as an episode, but I, I was hypnotized into quote unquote, a, a regression, but it wasn't a regression. I felt, I, I call it what's, what's called spirit rescue. So you're taken to, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I, I, it kind of feels like you're taken to like some kind of like a spirit, like a shard of a spirit or a fragment of a spirit. I don't feel like it's, it's a full spirit. So maybe like a piece of someone who is stuck in a trauma loop. So almost like if you've seen the movie Groundhog Day, just reliving their trauma over and over again. Yeah, I don't I don't I haven't got enough information about what this means. But when you're in hypnosis, you just kind of say what's happening. You don't try to analyze it. But I was taken to this scene with this guy named Bart and and my whole entire demeanor changed. And I I started uh, talking in a southern accent like this. And um, he starts describing this scene where he he'd had a really, really nice day. He was on like an excursion, um, like like an old school coming of age uh, trip where he just went off into the forest for a couple months to live off the land just to prove he could do it. His dad or his father had purchased him a brand, um, a brand new Winchester rifle is what he says. Um, And he took it with him and he was like, I'm out of shot, which, you know, bullets, I'm out of bullets. I'm, I'm almost out of, out of bullets. So he's starting to head back home so that he doesn't run out of, of shot or ammunition when he's up there. Cause that's what he relies on to, hunt so he goes to this meadow he has a really nice day he talks about how he ate some hard tack he didn't call it hard tack but he described hard tack he comes down and he just had like he was just stressing like how nice of a day he had he found like a little animal trail that went for like a mile or two in the like straight in the direction he was going so he just followed this animal trail it was really really easy going day and he found this beautiful meadow and he comes to this clearing and he he shoots himself a rabbit and he makes himself some stew. He throws the hard tack in the stew and he eats it, which was really interesting. I actually found out after the fact that that's what they would do is they would put this hard tack into stew. I didn't actually know that beforehand. So that's interesting. And um, it, it got dark. There was a little tiny tree next to him and he's just kind of laying down on his left side with his um left elbow propping up his head just kind of dozing off by the fire his tent set up behind him his rifle was was leaning against his tent and then he hears this sound um off to his left in the forest and it was just like a like a kind of a sound and it sounded to him and to me living that experience like a human like a man going in the forest and that scared him so what he did is he jumps up he grabs his rifle because it scared him and he runs over to this little tiny tree and this little tree couldn't have been more than, um, I, I don't know. To me, it's like six inches around. So I don't know. I know that the measurements are different, So a pretty, pretty small tree. Yeah. And, uh, maybe like a little bit bigger than a baseball bat up, like at the very top for anybody listening, but he leans against this tree and he points his rifle in the direction that that came from because he was still thinking human, right? And I and I was thinking like, oh man, there's someone out there messing with him, like uh, like whatever. So he's pointing his rifle and then he hears this, like the best way I can describe it is this. It sounded almost like a like a tiger growl, like a really low tiger growl, or maybe like an alligator or a crocodile growl. If anybody's ever heard that, and that scared him even more and then a branch snaps just like a big old crack and then these two big pine trees they start shaking back and forth so just like just like whipping back and forth and that at that point he was really really scared so he um shot his rifle into the air and after that happened everything went quiet for a couple seconds and then this scream came out of the forest from that direction, just like a massive, like, ah, scream. I got, I, I get goosebumps whenever I think about it because it was so loud. It was so scary. Uh, and at that point, 
he he was completely in shock and terrified. And then after the scream stopped and the scream went on for, I want to say maybe like 40, 45 seconds. And then out of the woods, and this, this couldn't have been farther from my mind, Simon, this was the last thing I was expecting out of the woods steps, this Sasquatch. It's like nine, 10 feet tall. It's massive. And it's given him this look like I'm going to kill you. You, you disgust me. It was like this disgusted look. And at that point, the kid Bart, he, he pees himself because he was so scared and he was thinking at, and at that point, my, I felt like someone removed me from, from his body. And I think I said, they're not going to let me experience this part. Um, Cause this is when it, when it kind of, when stuff kind of goes down. Right. But he was thinking really quickly, like my only chance to maybe survive this is if I shoot this thing in the face because it's too big and it's, I'm not going to stop it with a body shot. So as he's thinking this, and, and this um, Sasquatch, if you want to call it that, is like maybe 20 yards away from him at most. And it takes like three or four steps and it's on top of him. It smacks the gun out of his hand and it rips his left arm off. And then it rips his right arm off. And it's pretty graphic, but he fell down to his knees and the, the Sasquatch like grabbed his rib cage and smashed his ribs and then ripped his legs off and then pulled his head off. And then he was he was gone. And then I was outside of his body. And what was really kind of interesting is this uh, Sasquatch. It looks at me outside of his body. And um, I felt this like massive headache after that. Cause I, the only way I can describe it is like this Sasquatch was attacking me and it sounds saying it out loud. It sounds crazy, but I felt like actual pressure on my head. Like it was coming after me. And at that point, I have this uh, spirit guide that always presents himself to me in the form of an owl. Um, This time he shows up as an eagle and he wraps his wings around me and takes me away. And I learned his name and I'm, and Simon, I'm going to tell you his name, but I'm going to bleep it out for my audience because I don't think that I'm supposed to say it for whatever reason. But he told me that his name was, which was, is, is important for later. Right. Okay. So fast forward a little bit down the road after this experience, it was kind of, kind of weird. It kind of freaked me out a little bit. I wasn't expecting it to happen. I'm regressing my friend. And before my, um, before every session, it's kind of like a little ritual that I do. I, I call in my guides. And before this happened, I kind of just thought it was just this little ritual and that nothing was really happening or anything like that. But I take my friend down into like a little safe space. And then he goes into this cathedral. And this was before we even went into any past lives or anything. This was just kind of establishing a a little safe space that you can come back to. Um, Pretty common practice, I guess, among hypnotists. But he goes into this cathedral. And I said, is there anybody there with you? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, who's there? He said, what's this guy? And he has fangs. And he has black wings. They're really, really shiny. And he has a cloak that goes down past his legs. And he's just floating in the corner of this cathedral and he's staring at me. I said, okay, well ask him what he's doing there. And then he goes, he doesn't know why he's here. And I said, okay, well, ask him his name. And I swear I had never told my friend the, the name, but he said, his name's. There's one of those weird coincidences that makes you suddenly stop and think, well, what is going on? Yeah. I got, I got chills up my spine. And then, what was even crazier was he said, he told me like, this is your spirit guide. <laughs> so where did that come from? You know, I started yeah, to just I, go off on that story, but I just, it's really interesting. And you're a hypnotist. And so you, you get that weird things happen like this sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And the, the spirit guides can present themselves in any way they want to, can't they? So your spirit guide had chosen to look like that for a reason. Yeah, and he he scared my friend at first, but then he's like, apparently he took him by the hand because I took my friend to an elevator to take him deeper into his own to, to, into his own subconscious, and my spirit guide was just holding his hand apparently, and he was like, he's really nice, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he is, isn't he? Yeah, that's interesting, because I've. I've talked to a couple of people who've had um, 
near-death experiences and one of them he was in um he died and he found himself in this graveyard and there was a guy there who was really well dressed looked like he had a lot of money and he had these four massive dogs and he set them on this guy and he had to fight off these four big dogs and in the end he won the battle and this guy he realized was death it's like the angel of death or whatever and um the angel of death smiled at him and says okay fair enough i'll see you again sometime and the guy who had the near death experience said you know what he was a really nice guy I- i'd be happy to go for a beer with him and it's it's such a weird thing to say and it's like you're saying that that guy that spirit guy presenting themselves almost like a huge bat and sounded really scary, but actually they were quite a nice person. Yeah, that's weird. It's so strange. Like this, everything you, once you get into it, it's everything is just, there's nothing that I don't think I've had a normal past life regression for maybe like months and months and months, like six months, maybe. It's all been weird stuff. <laughs> and people who don't know anything about it, which is a basic one is weird stuff. Yeah. Well, when you're coming into it, you're, you're expecting a past life regression. Like, Oh, I was a farmer and, and I uh, fell in a well and I drowned in the well and I, and I missed my family or whatever. But then you get into it where it's like, okay, I just got ripped apart by a Sasquatch. <laughs> Yeah, and that that weird idea that they you'd moved into the the afterlife realm, so to speak. You're a spirit now outside the body, but still it could see you. Well, well, what's interesting about it is that I I wasn't him. I was myself. So I was myself outside of his body, watching him get torn apart by this Sasquatch. He killed the guy. The guy died and left his body, and then the Sasquatch looked at me, Ian, there, and, like, attacked me. Like, it knew I was there, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just uh, strange how these things happen, and people could say, you're just making it up. It's just your imagination. Uh, but then there might be some little confirmation that comes later and that makes you think twice about it. But also these these things happen to us or they happen to you. And when you experience them, they have a quite a big impact. But you can tell somebody like one of your best friends and they just they just shake it off and say, oh, it's it's just this or that. But actually for yourself, it was a, a, a real moment where your brain just stopped dead and you just can't make sense of it. Yeah, and it's 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 shocking, some of them. And. Another kind of piece to this thing as well, I talked to some hypnotists or hypnotherapists that have been doing this for, you know, decades, like 20 to 40 years long. And a lot of them has been saying like, yeah, when I first started doing this, I would do regressions for people and they would be normal day-to-day lives, right? Uh, If you're familiar with with Dolores Cannon, she would call it picking potatoes lives, just like very, very standard average lifetimes. But a lot of them have been saying like, yeah, in the past five, six years, things have been getting really, really weird. People have been experiencing some really weird stuff. And most of, for the majority of the time, it's not like a normal past life. It's, it's weird stuff. So I wonder why that's happening too. I have, and obviously I'm just kind of throwing this around in theories. I have no answer, but it's interesting to talk to someone else who's kind of a practitioner and get their take on it. I have, I've seen some weird things. I've also seen a lot of those potato picking lives. And, um, you know, I did one the other day and somebody found themselves at a church and it seemed to be somewhere in Eastern Europe a few hundred years ago. But then they suddenly just shot up into the sky and started flying. And it, it wasn't, they hadn't died or anything. And it was suddenly they were, 
in this spirit form and they were gone and then they left the the planet and then they were in, entered this what you would call the afterlife space and it was all white and the spirit guides were there and it, it seemed almost like the spirit guides had said oh no no we've seen enough of that life now we need to talk to you and that just that little thing seems a bit weird to me but um but it's i talked to peter smith who used to be the director of the newton institute you know which was uh michael newton's institute right. yep and he said that over the last few years recently they've spotted in life between live sessions that it, it's going off track because you know with michael newton there was a certain set of things that could that you would do there and not everybody would do all of them but there'd be the council of elders and the you're choosing the next life, choosing the body for the next life and meeting your soul group and meeting your spirit guides. Yeah. Very organized. Yeah. Recently they've been seeing other things happening, but um, I say that and I can't remember what you said was happening now. I mean, there were still the usual things, but it was going off track a bit. And, and that makes me really, really wonder like what, if that's true, right, what's going on? Like, why why are things changing after decades and decades? Like, obviously, time probably doesn't really matter outside of our experience, I guess. But, like, why is it changing now? Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, some people um, talk about raising the vibrations of the planet, moving to 5D, and these things that sound right. pretty woo, <laughs> and I can't get into that stuff. And they say ever they say they see evidence of it happening, but I don't see evidence of it happening. And um, you know, because it it's the thing where you, I started the podcast and I had knowledge of lots of this stuff, and there were certain things that were just too far gone for me, which I didn't really want to talk about. But over time, I've learned more about them. And then I've had my own little experiences. And I start to think, well, you know what? I think there's something to this. And it, the, one of the things about that is angels. But when we talk about angels, that sounds, again, it's like a religious thing. And you imagine somebody with big wings and a robe. But I think what they're saying when they say angels, it's like a an energetic entity like us, like a soul. But some soul that hasn't actually incarnated anywhere. And they have a different role to play in the universe. But, um, oh, man, I've lost what I, my track now. What was I talking about? We were, we were talking about, like, moving to 5D and, and like, how everything is kind of, like, shifting. Even people who were working with the Newton Institute are seeing these weird, subtle changes. Yeah. And so well, what I was going to say was that, so there are certain things that I've I've seen, like the angels, which I would never have talked about before. But now... I'm interested in it and trying to work out what's going on. But when the the thing with 5D and raising the vibrations of the planet, I still can't get on board with that. I don't see any evidence of that. And also, it's like you say, that if time doesn't exist in the afterlife, how would that relate to time passing on the planet and things changing over time? This is when it starts getting complicated and it starts doing your brain in. Have you ever looked into any of Dolores Cannon's work at all? I haven't. I have been uh, regressed. I did a past life regression with a woman who was trained by Dolores Cannon. She did the quantum healing hypnotherapy, and she uh, she was close to Dolores Cannon as well. She nearly joined her and traveled the world with her teaching stuff teaching the, all the processes but uh, in the end she didn't go because she had some kind of a, a weird spiritual experience that uh, said no that's not your path i'm sure if that woman was close to dolores cannon she may or may not believe this but dolores cannon was talking about before she died how earth is um that same exact thing like shifting into a different state of being and how it's like moving into a higher uh, dimension, I guess. And it's interesting to look into, but I'm kind of in the same boat where I'm just like, I don't know about that, man. Because she's like, people's diets are changing. They're not going to want to eat beef or pork, but that's that's not 
really happening. <laughs> and it also seems like more extreme views are becoming more mainstream in not just like in the UK, we had uh, Brexit and there seemed to be some of the people who were voting for Brexit. Some of them seem to be a bit racist and it became almost a thing like, oh, well, it's, it's an extreme view, but we have to take it on board because it's part of the Brexit debate. When normally you think, no, we don't have to take that on board. Racism's unacceptable. And then you see a big division in the United States between Trump voters and Democrats and people who don't support Trump. And some of the Trump supporters have quite extreme views. And some of them are quite nasty. And then there's this thing with the the Taliban taking control of Afghanistan. And there's a lot of nasty stuff that they do. So I can't see how the whole planet's raising its vibrations and getting better. And when all these nasty views are just so prevalent everywhere. One thing that, that again, going back to Dolores Cannon, one thing that she would talk about is how there's a lot of people who are going to change, like shift and, and start to change, but then there's people who are going to kind of fall back and, and go back into these um, less civilized views and they're going to fight against it. Yeah. There's, I've also got this idea that um, well, the reason we incarnate is because we're here to learn everything that is to be learned about being human. And part of that is suffering. So if souls want to, learn and progress will always need to have suffering on the planet for that progression to happen because they've got to experience suffering and also being the perpetrators. So unless all the souls go beyond that, I can't see that we'll be leaving that behind. Yeah. And that, that guy that wrote that one book, the the finding Jordan book, he, he was talking about that. He was talking about how, I think he said that the the sole reason we come here basically is to experience pain. I, I I can't help but disagree with that, honestly. Yeah, but, I, I, yeah, because you're here to experience everything, and pain's just one of those things. Yeah, and it, it, it's like a, it's almost like, and I get, you know, I get it. The guy lost his son, and I can't, I can't imagine that. That that's a very horrible experience, right? And I would never want to downplay that or anything. But like, it's a very, it seems to me a very pessimistic view when people kind of talk about like, hey, we're here to experience pain and suffering, and I'm like, okay, but what about like joy and sadness and excitement and fun and boredom and sex and drugs and all that other stuff so yeah it's all part of the human experience and that's why we're here i was talking to a guy called shepherd hoodwin who's got a couple of really interesting books the last one i talked to him about was a book he's got called compassion for evil a metaphysical view and that, that was an interesting book because it was saying, you know, that like we're on earth, we'd call certain actions evil. But for the soul that's outside of the, the human experience as having an overview of what's happening, it, for them, it's a learning experience and it's beneficial for them. Yeah, I actually talked to this woman named Courtney Starkey, and she was talking about how this one time she she did mushrooms and she had all of this uh like this this experience with like uh negative entities i guess or like the uh darkness is what she calls it kind of like what you're talking about like evil or darkness or uh whatever whatever you want to call it and she was like i didn't even think that it was really a thing until i did this and she was like I have a lot of compassion for them for for the for this darkness because I understand that it has a, a role to play, and uh, so you're that that person's not the only one who has that view. It's really interesting. There are multiple people that look at it like, yeah, they have a role, but don't feed into it. I guess. Yeah, yeah, and um, I talked to a guy called Richard Martini. And he's a, a really great guest, a great talker. And um, he was talking about he was making a documentary and he was filming Michael Newton at one of his training sessions. And one of the people that came, went into a past life was a 
a guard at a concentration camp, one of these Nazi camps. And they said it was a lot harder for a soul to choose to be a, one of the perpetrators than to be one of the victims. I, I, and I've had this conversation before about, about like choosing to come here and hurt other people. It's, it's, it's it's a really hard thing to talk about because it makes you seem like a bit of an asshole. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you, if you just, it, it makes you look a little crazy too. And especially with people who aren't familiar with this kind of a concept of like, maybe we do choose to come here and hurt people, but people don't understand like why that would be a thing. And so they just look at you like, okay, well you're crazy. But if you think about it, if you, if you want to, to learn and experience everything life has to offer, you would have to hurt some people to do it. And it, it, as bad as it sounds, <laughs> I, I feel like I sound so crazy. And when I'm that, when I'm talking to you, I just feel like I'm sounding crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, this is where karma comes in as well. And karma isn't something I've done a lot of study of but it's i see it as it's not about bad and good it's about balance and so it's not a thing where if you're nasty to someone then it will come back on you as a kind of punishment it's just a you know if you're a victim and the soul wants to learn about that then it will have to also be the perpetrator to get the balance to learn about both sides and to equal the karma I've heard about that. And I've also heard about the, the concept of um, the creators too. I've, I've experienced this in my own regression where supposedly the goal is to get to the point where you can create your own. And again, again, I'm sounding crazy, but again, you can create your own um, life and your, or your own um, worlds, your own universes and stuff like that. But and I made this point before, if you're going to create your own life, like say I, uh, I died and then I've graduated, like, yeah, I graduated. I'm going to go and create my own universe now, but I don't know what it's like to, to experience happiness or sadness. Basically the whole, the whole concept behind this is you have to experience everything that there is to experience so that you can have authority when you use it, when you're creating other things if that makes sense right. yeah yeah i see and i also feel like um it may be a thing where when you are no longer incarnating on this planet you graduate to become a spirit guide and you you can't guide other younger souls through lives if you haven't experienced those things yourself yeah and i doesn't michael newton michael newton talks about that too about how you chain, you shift your energy into like through different colors until you basically uh, like get absorbed back into source or God or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I don't know what Michael Newton said about it, but I've heard that people say sometimes they meet the spirit guides in the past life regression and they just see them as an energy being. And sometimes they might say, yeah, I can, they're white, but there's little flecks of red keep showing up or purple or green or something. And I've always thought that that probably represents something. There's a reason there's these different colors. And I, I was taken through a life between lives session and I went to the council of elders and there, it looked like a Greek amphitheater with all these people in the Greek robes, but they all had different colored sashes around them. And the colors represented different things that they were uh, guiding me in this one particular thing or that particular thing. So that, that was interesting. And I did a session with uh, Richard Martini where he took me through that as well. That is interesting. I, I have never even encountered the, the council of elders in my sessions at all. Yeah, because it's the life between lives thing, isn't it? Do you take people through life between life sessions or is yeah. it that you do the past life? Yeah, I, I've done life between lives and the closest I've ever got is having people look at, I don't know if you've heard of this part, but like they have almost like little blueprints 
that are that's the only word that they can use to describe them they're not blueprints but it's like the closest thing where they look at basically like plotted out points that they've pre-decided like this i'm going to learn this lesson at this point this is kind of the blueprint or the plan i had set out for my life where did i follow it where did i deviate from it how close did i get to learning my lesson did i accomplish blah 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 and they're just looking at this and just kind of reading these like uh, books or blueprints or something. And then they start to create a new blueprint for their next life. That's the closest I've gotten, but there was no uh, council of elders. There's, there was the guides were there. There was guides, but there was no like council. And, and maybe, maybe I just, uh, I don't know. Maybe they just didn't want to show the client that, but I don't know. Yeah, because I'm not sure if, um, because I don't do life between lives, and um, I'm not sure if it's a thing where some people are trained to do it, and they say, right, we're going to, we've just finished looking at this place, which might be the place they call like the healing temple or something like that. Now we're going to go to the Council of Elders, and they direct the person to that place. And I think some other hypnotists may just sort of say, okay, where are we going next? and leave it to the client to say, oh, it seems right. like we're, we're going over to this place. And that, that's more, the second one is more what I do because of the way that I started doing, doing the hypnosis. I, I never, I never say, okay, we're going to do this now. Unless of course there's like, they're in a traumatic situation or they're stuck somewhere or they need that. I'm never like, okay, now we're going to go do this. And then we're going to go do this because I personally feel um that that's not the right way to do it necessarily because you're 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 giving suggestions and yeah. i feel like it makes it a little bit less authentic but that's just my my personal view on it i suppose in a way as well it might depend on the client because if you have a client who's read all michael newton's books and knows all about life between lives and the different places you could go to they they might know, oh, I, I know this place. I want to go and check out that place. But if somebody's with you who doesn't know really the makeup of the Life Between Lives session and you're not suggesting anything to them, then they don't know what to expect. And I suppose it's more interesting when they say, oh, I'm at this place now. It seems like a council of elders. And they'd never heard of that before. So that's kind of spontaneous little bit of confirmation of Michael Newton stuff. Exactly. And I mean, I don't know how comfortable you are talking about your hypnosis process, but when I do it, I never, ever make suggestions about where we're going next ever. Um, the farthest I go is what I do as I use the Hall of Mirrors technique because I really like that one. You take them down into like a safe place. You take them into a little structure of some kind but you let them create this whole scene, right? So they're creating their safe place. They could be like a garden or a meadow or a beach or, or whatever. And then they go into this um, structure, whatever it is, could be a temple, could be a cabin. I've seen a lot of cabins actually, which is kind of weird. Yeah. And then there's a hall of mirrors and they kind of go to a mirror after they get to the mirrors. I just let them take it away. I don't make any suggestions at all. Yeah, I, what what I do, it depends where it is during the session. But if we're in a past life and we're seeing a scene and there's something happened and it seems like, right, okay, that, that's run its course now. We need to move on from here. And then I say, okay, we're just we're going to move to another event in that lifetime that's related to your current life. And then we just see where they go. We don't suggest, right. you know, we, we're going to go and see the bit where your father was violent or we're going to see the, the thing that happened with your child. There's no suggestion like that. Yeah. Same here. Well, there comes a point where they're kind of stuck and you're like, okay, we're going to, what I like to do is I like to say, okay, we're going to basically like almost press fast forward on your life. And then you just press play on the next appropriate scene. And that seems to work really well, actually. Yeah. That's, that's a good one. I mean, there is a part where I say, um, when we're getting towards the end of the session, I'll say if it's appropriate, 
we can go to the end of this past life and we'll find out what happens there. And then we go through the death of the past life and we go into this afterlife space. And I say, okay, well, this is a point where your spirit guides might come forward and show themselves. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. And I don't say to them, oh, they're definitely coming. Can you see them? Can you see that bloke with the big gray beard? That's your spirit guide. <laughs> yeah, like I can see that. That's yeah. I always like to talk to people about their process. So um, what I like to do, and I know you offer your own past life regression hypnosis on your website. Um, you got the podcast. So if you just want to plug all your stuff, your website, your podcast, what do you got going on? Well, the website is pastlifeshypnosis.co.uk. And on there, that's a, there's a, the homepage is a kind of portal page that you can go in two directions. You can go through where to the podcast is with all the episodes, or you go the other direction and it's the past life regression and past life regression therapy. And there's a booking page there. You, you can book a free consultation call with me on Zoom. And uh, there's a booking page there where you can go into the calendar and choose a date and time that's good for you. And then we can talk about uh, what you would want to do if you wanted to do a past life regression. Because some people uh, just want to do an exploration, just see what turns up. And other people are looking for therapy. And so depending on what they're looking for, I can do different types of sessions and we can target therapeutic outcomes. And uh, the podcast is the Past Lives podcast. And that's, as I said, up to nearly 190 episodes. Each one's an hour long interview. And I have a Patreon campaign where um, there are extended episodes there that go about an hour and 20 minutes or an hour and a half. So if you're really into it and you want to hear the rest of the interview, you'd sign up on Patreon. And um, yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs> yeah, links to those are going to all be in the description as well for anybody listening who wants to go check those out. If you feel drawn to work with Simon, go ahead, book that consultation call. He has a really wonderful, nice, silky, chocolatey, smooth voice. So head on over, check out that podcast. Again, links to those in the description. And Simon, before we end the episode, do you happen to have some kind of a message that you'd like to share with my audience? If not, that's totally fine. Uh, well, there's a little thing um, that I heard somebody say, which uh, it sounds a bit funny, but it sounds good to me is that you should always keep an open mind, but not so open that your brains fall out. And there you have it from Simon himself. Well, Simon, <laughs> thank you very yeah. much for coming on my show. It was a very interesting conversation and I really appreciate you sharing your time with me. It's been really good. I, I, it seems like only 10 minutes. I've enjoyed the conversation so much. I can't believe it's an hour. That's it for today's episode. I would like to thank Simon for coming onto the show. And I would also like to thank you for tuning in. Head on over to the Past Lives podcast. Give Simon your support. He's a really great guy. Also, head on over to my Facebook, my Twitter. You can interact with me there um, and get some show updates sometimes if you like the show i'd appreciate you subscribing in your podcast player and sharing the show around with anyone you think might be interested or even someone who you think would be interested in coming onto the show if you're interested in coming onto the podcast and talking with me about your experiences send me an email my email is the regression session at gmail.com and i would love to have you on the show Music.